Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. I wish there was a way to know that you were in the good old days before you actually left them. Eddie Bernard gave us that iconic quote as the office ended, and I want to use it as my sermon begins today. I wish there was a way to know that you were in the good old days before you actually left them. My goal today, my challenge today, is to convince you that to some degree, you and me, we are currently living in the good old days, and that our lives, more importantly, would reflect that truth. See, we're in this six-week series called Five. And what I want to do is I want to encourage you and encourage me, I want to make this year a year of prayer. Because I really believe that prayer is the most direct way that you and me can tap into spiritual health and spiritual strength, which is a big deal for you because you don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body and you have a mind. And so therefore, logically speaking, the clearest route for you and me to take towards emotional health and even physical strength is by working here at the soul level first. And you know, it's kind of crazy because that's a bold, bold claim. And I really think I'm going to prove it to you unequivocally because what I'm going to talk about with you today is a spiritual principle which has been proven absolutely completely to lead to emotional and physical well-being. So we're going to make this year a year of prayer. And what I want to do is I want to give you five simple steps that you can take in as little as five minutes a day. And I made them all start with an R so they were kind of easy to remember. Last week we talked about reviewing. Take a moment, call a timeout in life just for a second, and look back over your last 24 hours with God. Next week, I want to talk about the concept of repentance. And I'm really, really looking forward to it because I think our culture has butchered the whole concept of repentance. We we have this idea that repentance means weakness and defeat when actually, I'm going to show you next week, repentance means strength and victory. And further on in the series, we're going to talk about the idea of requesting and reflecting. But today... I want to talk about rejoicing. Okay, here's the truth. I needed to make them all start with an R, so I used rejoicing, but what I really want to talk about, I just want to talk about gratitude today. I want to talk about gratitude today. It's funny because we talk a lot about revival. I want revival in my city. I want revival in my church. I want revival in my school. I want revival in my neighborhood. I want revival at work. That's great. What does revival actually mean? Well, assuming that we really believe that God is life, revival actually literally means that God's will would be done. Where first? Where first? Where first? Starts here. One life, one story at a time. That's how revival plays out. Starts inside of me at the soul level. God's will. I just need to do God's will. Easy, right? Well, according to 1 Thessalonians 5, it is. 
God's will for you, God's will for me is really simple. Just give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks. Be grateful. Philippians 4 says it this way. You don't have to be anxious about anything. But in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Be grateful. Psalm 92 puts it this way. It's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. You want a revival in your family? You want a revival in your marriage? You want a revival in your city? Start here. Be grateful. Simple. One problem. You're not good at it. You're not good at it. And neither am I. Have you ever seen someone who's like naturally gifted? Like every once in a while you hear somebody sing and say, Phew, that person, they were born to sing. For sure. Or, or, or you watch someone run and you say, that person was born to run. Or throw a football, you say, that person was just born to throw a football, right? When I was teaching school, I remember every, every once in a while I would give an assignment and all these kids would, would write these paragraphs or these essays or these stories and they would come back in and so many of them were really, really good. But every once in a while, you'd read one and you'd be like, oh, that kid's gifted. Like that person was born to write. You look at people and say, man, that person was born to do math. Just a math whiz, right? <laughs> I remember when our son Gabe was like six or seven years old. He loved math. He would sit way in the back of the Manusmobile in his little like booster seat, and we'd be driving along. I'd, I'd be, gay, I'd be, I'd say, Gabe, are you ready? He'd say, Yep. I'd like nine times nine plus six minus seventeen times two divided by fourteen. Gabe would be like, Ten. You're right, Gabe. Again, you're right. Some people are just naturally gifted. Problem with you and me is we're not naturally gifted grateful people. In fact, if we're born to do anything, one might look at us quite simply and say, man, you were born to complain, weren't you? I don't have to prove this to you, especially if you're a parent. I do not have to prove this to you at all. Right? You've taken your kids on a trip before, right? Maybe you take them to Disneyland. You know, although when we can actually go to Disneyland again, okay? So, so you see, you go down to Disneyland and it's just like a great day and you decide I'm going to buy the family lunch at the park and it costs so much you have to take out a second mortgage on your house, but you do it, you know? And so you get everybody lunch, and, 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 and then it's getting late, but they want to stay because there's going to be the parade and the fireworks, for, so you stay for the parade and the fireworks. By the time you leave the park, it's past their bedtime already, but they want fast food, so you stop and you get them fast food. You get to the resort and they really want to swim, and now it's way past their bedtime, but you let them swim, right? And then you say, finally, hours and hours past their bedtime, you look at them and you say, it's time to hit the hay, we got a big day tomorrow. You know what no kid in history has ever done in that moment? Mom and Dad, can we call a quick timeout? I I just want to say thank you. (laughs) What a day. What a day that was. Thank you. Thank you for lunch. Thank you for the rides, except for Small World, because it's terrible. Thank you for the fireworks. 
Thank you for Chick-fil-A. Thank you for the parade. Thank you for the swimming. And you're right. I do need to get some rest because it is going to be a big day tomorrow. They don't say that. This is what they say. This is the worst moment of my life. I can't believe it. So in some senses, it would be fair for me to look at you today, and it would be fair for you to look at me today and say, you know what? You were really bored to complain, weren't you? You're really good at it. Psychologist Rick Hansen says it this way. He says that there's something about the human condition where negativity is like Velcro and positivity is like Teflon. Like negative thoughts, negative situations, negative comments, they kind of stick like Velcro. But positive thoughts, positive comments, positive situations are just gone. I wonder why that is. I think part of it is distraction. We live in a pretty distracted world. Like already we're not really good at picking up, uh, p- picking up on positive stuff, right? But let's say there is this moment where something beautiful happens. Something great we, we know one thing, our phone is never very far away from us, is it? Like for, for some people, you, you, you would be accurate to say your phone is never more than an arm length away from you. And in that moment, you're at the point where you go, like, this is beautiful. This is awesome. And then your phone rings. You get a text, get an email, get a call. You scroll on social media. What do you figure? Five to seven seconds on social media, you're going to find something that's going to make you angry or afraid, angry or afraid, angry or afraid happen here or around the world. And that beautiful moment, that sweet, sweet second, gone. Distraction. Another reason is jealousy. It's really hard to be grateful. It's really hard to pick up on the good things in life. It's really hard to look and say, man, I'm thankful for who I am, what I have, the life that I'm living, when you're spending a lot of time wishing that you could be who they are, have what they have and live the life that they are living, jealousy. Another reason is familiarity. You ever hear that phrase, familiarity breeds contempt? Like we start to take things for granted. So you buy yourself a new vehicle. You you get a new minivan. This is the greatest. This minivan is so cool. Check it out, check it out, check it out. Look at, look at. The Manus Mobile could never do this. I push this button, that door opens. I push this button, that, there, there's doors on both sides, man. Okay? And that door, and I push this button, and they both open at the same time. It's incredible. I love this van. A month later, you push the button, and you're like, could that door open any slower? This is a nightmare. Like, I could run around the van 27 times and open the doors before this stupid thing opens, right? We take things for granted. We do this in relationships, too. You know, you get married and you go, man, I can't believe she married me. And a year later, you're saying, I can't believe she's a mouth breather. It happens so (laughs) fast. Part of it is entitlement. Entitlement. What's good? What's good? This is just my due. I'm entitled. Nothing's good. I don't need to be thankful for anything. This is what I deserve, entitlement. I could give you lots of examples from my life. I could give you lots of examples of people I've seen, but instead I'll give you an example of the least entitled person I know. And it happens to be my wife, Corinne. Okay, here's what'll happen. 
every year on Corinne's birthday. Every single year on Corinne's birthday. Okay? The first person that sees Corinne will go, Mom, if it's one of the kids, Mom, happy birthday. And she'll say, oh, yeah, oh, it's my birthday. I can't, like, she literally doesn't remember it's her birthday ever. Okay? So we're like, Corinne, it's your birthday. <laughs> you know, happy birthday, whatever. Here's your present, right? Two and a half hours later, after telling her repeatedly, it's your birthday, it's your birthday, happy birthday, right? We'll all be here, and we'll say, hey, let's do a surprise party for Corinne. This is going to be awesome. Remember, we've told her it's her birthday, okay? So I call her. I'll be like, hey, Corinne, uh, I forgot my lunch. Right. I forgot my lunch, and I just really need you to bring it here to the church, okay? And she'll say, really? Can't you just come, like, get it? No, Corinne, I can't come get it. And the reason is because I broke my leg. I broke my leg in 17 places. Dave Poole threw me through a window, and I have a broken leg in 17 spots. So I can't, can you please just come bring me my lunch? And she'll be like, okay. And, and she'll walk in the door, and everyone will yell, surprise! And she's like shocked. She just so it has a heart attack. It's incredible. That's the opposite of entitlement. But too often for you and me, it's hard to really surprise us with anything good because that's just my due. Gratitude is tough. Positivity is like Teflon. So I think it would be fair to say to you today that, that gratitude is actually a discipline. Like, you got to work at it. But it's worth it, you know? Because studies show that gratitude increases your immune system, strengthens your immune system, it lowers your stress, it lowers your anxiety. It increases your mental acuity. In other words, your abil ability to solve problems quickly is increased when you are a grateful person. Increases your stamina and also helps you sleep better at night. There are few things that have been clinically shown to increase your quality of life and your overall sense of happiness than gratitude. So we got to get on this. So what I want to do for the rest of this sermon is I want to give you two steps and one practice. Two steps to be grateful and one way that we can practice gratitude. Okay, so step one. Here it is. Step one, really, really simple. Recognize, step one, recognize that there are good things in your life. Recognize that there are good things in your life. I think what happens is when we start to do that, we slowly begin to get better at it. Like when we intentionally decide, I'm actually going to recognize that there are some good things in my life, we get a bit better at it. I love what Henry Ward Beecher says. He said, if one should give me a dish of sand and tell me there were particles of iron in it, I might look for them with my clumsy fingers and be unable to detect them at all. But let me take a magnet and sweep through it, and how would it draw to itself the almost invisible particles by the mere power of attraction? The unthankful heart, like my finger in the sand, discovers no miracles, no mercies. But let the thankful heart sweep through the day, and as the magnet finds the iron, so it will find, in every hour, some heavenly blessings. 
That's it. So the first step in helping us recognize the good things in our life is this. Recognize the good things in your life. Just do it. You're going to get better and better at it. You want to recognize the good things in your life? Here's how you do it. You recognize the good things in your life. Be intentional about it. I'll give you one more way that we, we can start recognizing the good things in our life. Hang out with people who do. Hang out with grateful people. Hang out with people who recognize the good things in their life and who recognize the great things and the good things in your life too. Years ago, back when it was just Corinne, Tori, Lucas, and me, we uh, moved from Langley to Chilliwack. Still had some buddies in Langley, and one of those guys is a friend of mine to this day, and he loves tennis. Back in that day, he loved tennis. Like, I mean, he loved tennis so much. He loved tennis as much as anyone you know loves anything. He loved tennis. Did I mention that? He really, really loved tennis, okay? Loved tennis. So every once in a while, he would drive from Langley to Chilliwack, and we'd play, or I'd drive to uh, uh, Langley from Chilliwack, and we would play. And on one particular day, I drove out there, and I only had about an hour and a half to play tennis. He would have always preferred that we played for eight hours. It was unbelievable, but that day I had an hour and a half. Did I say, he loved tennis, I told you that, right? Okay. So he loved tennis. So I drive up to his house, he's already in his car. His engine has started, I guess he thought he could drive there quicker than me. He's like, get into my car. So I jumped into his car, we start driving. He says, hey, how are you? I don't know why, but I just felt sorry for myself that day. So I started telling him. I'm tired, I'm stressed, I'm broke, it's difficult. And I went on and on and on and on. Did I mention he loved tennis? We're driving on the way to the courts, right? He pulls over. I'm like, this is a first. We're on our way to tennis, okay? We're on our way to tennis, he likes tennis, okay. He pulls over. He says to me, are you done? Uh, I was like, what do you mean? He's like, are you done complaining? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I guess I'm done. He's like, yeah, because here's the thing. You have an incredible wife, an amazing family. You've told me a thousand times how much you love your job. You own your own house. Now, it's a small townhouse in a rough neighborhood, but you own it. You're healthy, and we're going to play tennis right now, and it's going to be awesome. You think to yourself, maybe I was mad at him. You can't get mad at this guy because he pulls back on the road. He's like, oh, this is going to be great. We're playing tennis. But I have thanked him about a dozen times for that one conversation. You want to recognize the good things in your life? Here's how you do it. Just recognize the good things in your life and hang out with people who also do. I'll tell you something that'll blow your mind. You kind of already know this, but you've never really thought about it. They say that the only way to really build relationships with people is to spend time. Spend time together, right? They say, you know, how do you spell love? T-I-M-E. You, you want to get closer to somebody, you spend time with them. And yet, and yet, if you and I were to spend a thousand hours together, and we spent that thousand hours doing nothing but complaining, even on things that we both agreed that we should be complaining about, if we spent that thousand hours complaining, we would be no closer, we would have no greater bond than we did at the beginning of the thousand hours. Why? Because the time is counteracted by the repellent nature of complaint. And yet, 
if you and I were to spend two hours together, and we spent that two hours talking about how grateful we were for the good things in our life, we would build bonds exponentially stronger than we would have built with a thousand hours of complaining. It's a big deal. It's a spiritual principle, but it plays out in every area of your life. Be grateful. How do you do that? Well, step one, you recognize the good things in your life by recognizing the good things in your life and spending time with people who do. And secondly, acknowledge, acknowledge that all those good things, they don't all come from you. You know who you are? You're a turtle on a fence post, aren't you? You see a turtle on a fence post, one thing you know for sure, right? That turtle did not get there by itself. It's a little Alberta humor for you. Uh, <laughs> but it's true about you and me. I think we all kind of know it innately, but it's important to acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. That I'm not the only source of all of the good things in my life. I look around and I have a sense of gratitude towards God. I have a sense of gratitude towards others who have helped me. We call that humility. It's the opposite of entitlement. The Bible says God gives grace to the humble. Isaiah 61 says it this way. When you humble yourself and ask God, you know what he's gonna do? If you got this spirit of heaviness over you, and a lot of us do right now, honestly, a lot of us do. If you got a spirit of heaviness on you right now, and you ask God in humility, you know what he'll do? He'll give you a garment of praise to put over top of that spirit of heaviness. God gives grace to the humble. Humble people learn. Humble people grow. Humble people win. So not only do we recognize the good things in our life, but we acknowledge, hey, wait a minute, not all these good things. I'm not the source of all this good stuff. Thing about gratitude doesn't just make you humble, it also makes you generous. They always go together. Grateful people are generous, generous people are grateful. And the reason why is because when you recognize that there's good things in your life and you acknowledge that you're not the source of all the goodness and you look and see, man, I've been blessed. I'm a turtle on a fence post. I've been blessed by God, I've been blessed by other people. The next thing you know, it just comes naturally. The next thing you know, as I have been blessed, I wanna be a blessing. Grateful people are generous people. Generous people are grateful people. This week I was reading a story about a middle-aged pastor back in the 1800s named William Stidger. Story says that he was sitting around one day and he all of a sudden th started thinking that he was grateful for a teacher that he had when he was a kid. That this teacher had introduced him to like great works of literature. And even more than that, had kind of instilled this love in the, his love for the written word in him. Which had helped him vocationally, but it also it helped him just enrich his life. And he had thought of this particular teacher before, and he always meant to say thank you, but he never did. And on this one particular day, he thought, you know what? I'm just going to write a quick note. So he did. He sent it, and a few days later only, he got a reply written in really, really shaky script. This is what it said. My dear Willie, 
I'm now an old lady in my 80s, living alone in a small room, cooking my own meals, lonely and seemingly like the last leaf of fall left behind. You will be interested to know, Willie, that I taught school for 50 years, and in all that time, yours is the first note of appreciation I ever received. It came on a blue cold morning, and it cheered my lonely old heart as nothing has cheered me, <clears throat> as nothing has cheered me in many years. I'm glad he wrote that. I'm glad he wrote that. More than that, I want to be the kind of person that writes notes like that. I want, I, I, I want to kind of be the sort of person that just lives that kind of grateful life. You know what I mean? See, we talk a lot about revival, and I think we think of revival as this big, massive, overwhelming thing. But I think it's important today that I remind you, it just starts in you, and it starts in me, just doing God's will. What's God's will? Be grateful. Be grateful. So last week we talked about this concept of reviewing our day. Reviewing our day. Summing ourselves out of the hustle of life once every 24 hours and just looking back at the day that was, inviting Jesus into a conversation about our day. I want to add a next step today. So this is step two, rejoicing or gratitude. When you're done re reviewing your day, what I would love for you and me to do is just to take a second and ask ourselves, what am I grateful for? I've heard one way to really help is just ask yourself, what would my life be like without that person? What would my life be like without that thing, whatever? And then be grateful. Be grateful to God and be grateful to others. And maybe pray that God would give you a garment of praise, a garment of gratitude instead of a spirit of heaviness that would not only allow you to say thank you to God, but would make you the kind of person that would take a moment that day, take a moment that day, send a text, make a call. That's how you make a call, by the way. Okay? And just say, just say thank you. It really should define our church, shouldn't it? Wouldn't you think so? Wouldn't you think that Christ followers, like at the foundation of who we are, you know, someone might look at us and say, well, that guy's tall and that guy's short and that guy has a cool ball cap and that person's a lawyer and, and she's a doctor and, and he's a business owner and she works at McDonald's and that's all great. Yeah, yeah, but, that, but, but one thing about all of them, all of them. Hey, you, wanna, you meet someone from Southside? I'll tell you one thing about, I'll tell you one thing about her. I'll tell you one thing about him. Grateful. Grateful. They're just grateful people. Shouldn't that be a defining characteristic of a follower of Jesus? Like, we're, we're here because the God who spoke the universe into existence looked down and saw that we needed to be rescued. And sparing no expense, he sent his one and only son. He came to where we are so that he could lift us up to where he is. He died so that we could get past our past. In other words, in other words, we don't live in the regret and the shame and the garbage of our past anymore. We get a clean start, a new beginning. That should make us grateful, shouldn't it? And then he rose again so that I have the power to change. Hope for tomorrow and the promise of eternal life. 
And one of, one of the defining characteristics of a follower of Jesus should be gratitude. I think it will be. I think you're going to know something in 2022. People are going to talk. Man, I'll tell you this about someone who goes to Southside Church, someone who calls Southside Church their home, they're grateful people. They go overboard sometimes. They're just, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, that's right. Because we got a lot to be grateful for. So why don't we close? If you don't mind, if you could bow your heads and close your eyes, even if you're online, if it's safe to do so, I would love it if you could do the same and take a moment of personal reflection. I don't know exactly where you're at. I don't know if you're somebody who has been tempted like I have over these last two years to, man, see the darkness and and get discouraged from time to time. I want to tell you the first step towards a feeling of gratitude, the first step towards positivity in my mind, spiritually speaking, is to embrace what Jesus has already done for you and has already done for me. That he came and he died and he rose again for you and for me. And if nothing else in history was ever done, that would be enough to make us grateful. That would be enough for us to look at life through a lens of positivity today, tomorrow, and for all the days to come. So I just want to give you an offer. I'm not sure if you're here for the first time or you're watching online for the first time or the fourth time or whatever. But if you've never accepted that free gift that God gave you through his son Jesus and you want to do that today with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, can you just raise your hand right now because I want to pray for you right now if that's you. Nice and high if you don't mind. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, you can put your hands down. And whether you're online or in person, I just want to pray out loud. If you could just pray silently along with me, that'd be great. God, thank you. For everybody watching online and everybody in person, we want to start out by saying thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for friends. Thank you for family. Thank you for our daily bread. Thank you for air to breathe and water to drink. Thank you. And thank you for sending your son. Jesus, I today want to thank you for stepping into human history and laying down your life for me. I ask you to be my savior. I give you my sin and my shame and my regret. And I take an exchange of free beginning, a fresh start. Thank you. And today, Jesus, I invite you to be my Lord. Thank you that you rose again so that I can too, that I can have the power to change, to be the person I was created to be, to live the life that I was created to live today, tomorrow, and forever. God, we just pray that one of the defining characteristics of our lives in all circumstances would be that we are thankful. We pray this in your name. Amen. Can we celebrate that for a second, church? Is that okay? My watch flew off. Strength. Uh, hey, if you just... <laughs> Whether you're online or in person, if you just raised your hand and, and prayed and invited Jesus into your life, I would love if you could just take one next step for me, and that's text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 604-670-3040. Hey, here's the thing. We always talk about, like, I wish the world would change. Same here. 
Same here. You know what's amazing, though? That God wants to change you and change me and use changed us to change our marriage, to change our family, to change this world. And so if you just prayed that prayer, this is just the beginning. We're supposed to team up. We're supposed to help each other. We're supposed to pray for one another. We're supposed to cheer each other on as God changes us and uses us to change things. Secondly, we want to make this year a year of prayer. So last week we started with a guided prayer. So if you text the keyword five to 604-670-3040, we're gonna send you a guided prayer. And for this week, it's not just the review, but now we're gonna add the gratitude part, the rejoicing part to the guided prayer. I would love it if you could do that. If you didn't do it last week, jump in this week, it'd be awesome. And finally, one of the defining characteristics of the Christian life is gratitude started right back at the beginning. The night before Jesus was crucified, he sat down with his disciples in what we refer to now as the Last Supper. And he took the bread and he broke it. He says, this bread is my body broken for you. And he took the cup and he said, this wine is my blood poured out for you. Do this, do this, do this in remembrance of me. See, gratitude has been built into the Christian practice for over 2,000 years. That we would come together and we would remember that Jesus paid it all. And as I said earlier, that alone, that alone, that'll give us enough gratitude to go for a long, long time. So it's COVID communion today. COVID communion, okay? I'm going to trademark that, uh, that phrase, COVID communion. Uh, so it's a little bit different, and maybe you've done it before, but the band is going to play a couple songs. And I just ask if you could remain seated while the band is playing. You can sing along or do whatever, but the ushers are going to just pass these things, and the, this is COVID communion, okay? So when you get it, you're going to notice that you peel off this top layer, and there's a wafer. And the wafer represents the bread, or it's a representation of the body of Jesus, that you remember that his body was broken so we can be whole. And you peel off the next layer, and that's the juice. And that's to represent and to remember and to be grateful for the fact that Jesus poured out his blood so that we can be washed completely clean today, tomorrow, and forever. So the band's gonna play. The ushers are gonna come through. They're gonna hand these things out. Oh, one last thing. So who takes communion? (laughs) Who takes communion? Well, first of all, it's those who believe in Jesus. Not perfect people just people who believe in Jesus. Whether today is your first day you put your faith in him or whether you've been following Jesus for 40 years, you take communion. One more thing you need to think about, though, is it's people who are right with God. Let, let, Let me be careful the way I explain that. Doesn't mean you're perfect. It does mean, though, that as far as it is up to you, that whatever you need to say to God, that you've said it. Does that make sense? So if you have bitterness in your heart about somebody, now would be a great time to let it go. If you owe someone an apology, now would be a great time as you take communion to make a plan that later on today, you're going to extend that apology, whatever you need to do, just to say, okay, God, I trust you. I trust you. And you're going to notice at a church like Southside, we are so incredibly honored because there's so many of you here, you're not sure yet what you think about this whole church thing and this whole Jesus thing. 
And what you might be thinking is, oh great, now we're doing some communion thing, and they're gonna pass the plate by, and I'm not gonna take one. And everyone's gonna think I'm a horrible human being. Uh, no, they won't. They won't at all. Number one, they probably won't notice, but if they do, I'll tell you, at a church like Southside, we're gonna look at you and go, whoa. Well, you came here to get your questions answered. So I know something about you. I know something about you right now. They're gonna look at you and they're gonna say, that is a truth seeker. That's a truth seeker. And that is so cool. So I love you guys so much. Hey, 2022, we're gonna be grateful, right? Yeah, it's gonna be good. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.